0: Uh, good evening, everyone. It's great to be back with you again. Uh, thank you for your welcome. Uh, thanks to Kevin and Kathy and pretty much most of South Devon that looked after us this afternoon. It was, uh, it was great, to, it's great to be with you. And Steve, thank you for drawing our, our thoughts there to, to Christ, isn't it? That's what we're here for. We've come to remember Jesus and we've come to, to celebrate uh, his death and his resurrection. And we come to do this in remembrance of him, just as he said. Now, tonight, then, we look at a fairly major chapter. Um, so major, in fact, that I've even agreed to come back for a second time to have a second crack at it. Because when the email came through to say that we would like you to cover Hebrews 11 and the first three verses of chapter 12 in 35 minutes or there or thereabouts, I thought, okay, you know, I'm game for a challenge, but I'm not game for that challenge. So the tonight is the, the first of, of two on this, uh, this amazing chapter that contains these... These pioneers and in these, these incredible men and women of faith who, who did some amazing things for God. Um, you may have seen the update last week, I asked Fee to put this in, I, I saw it was in there, um, of a re- recommendation for a book. Now, it's not often that I recommend books, I must confess, I'm not a huge reader, but, uh, but, but this one has really, really helped me. It's written by a man called David Gooding, uh, Dr. David Gooding, who, amongst other things, is uh, is mentor to John Lennox. Now, there's a few of them you think, oh, no. He's mentioned doctor. He's mentioned professor. This is going to be some you know, massive textbook, but it, it isn't. Look, this is it, you know? this is Honestly, I, I really do think that this is one of the best books, the most simplest to understand books of what is an extremely complex book of the Bible. And the best thing about it is, it's free. And everybody likes a freebie. So on the website, uh, on the uh, update, rather, there was a link to the website, which is uh, Mortarfield House. I've got the address afterwards. And it's, again, it's written by David Gooding. who was an um, emeritus professor of theology at various universities, Belfast, Cambridge, et etc. et cetera. So, you know, he, he sort of knows his stuff. But um, great book. There's other other resources that will really help you in the study uh, of Hebrews. So, again, come and see me. But it is on, uh, it's on last week's update. So please uh, make use of that. So then, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's get down to to some men and women of faith. Shall we should we just learn from them? Really? Mm-hmm. Just And that's, that is exactly what it is, isn't it? We're learning from people that have gone before. <coughs> There's nothing new under the sun. It's said that if you'll find something new in the Bible that nobody has ever come across before, it's very likely that you're wrong. Because it's all been done before, isn't it? It's all gone before. But it's still applicable, and it still works for us tonight. So this this new book then, this book of Hebrews is now i want to start with this i don't know how many of you follow sport i would suggest some more closely than others but but it's i suppose the vast majority of sports nowadays have a hall of fame don't they you know you 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 play your game or you carry out your sport to the best of your ability for x amount of years and you're rewarded in a a great pomp and circumstance ceremony if you're american you get a ring that's far too big to be anything useful but You get it, and you're part of the Hall of Fame. Well, well, tonight we're going to look at the Faith Hall of Fame. Let's call it that. Shall we nice and succinctly? We're going to call it the Faith Hall of Fame. This is what Hebrews 11 is, and we're just going to read the first 16 verses, and boy, oh boy, is there enough to go through in the first 16 verses, never mind, to the uh, the start of chapter 12 as well. So we start, and our writer starts like this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what is visible. By faith, Abel brought a better offering than Cain. By faith he was commended as righteous. And when God spoke well of his offerings, and by faith Abel still speaks even though he is dead. in holy fear, but built an ark to save his people. By faith he commended the world and became heir of righteousness, that is, keeping with the faith. By faith Abraham, this is where we're going to spend a lot of our time together tonight, by faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country, he lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs of him of the same promise. You see, for he was looking forward to a city with the foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of a country that they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So, just some light gentle verses to go through as we look through this uh, this amazing chapter uh, of Hebrews this evening. And it's a passage that I cannot help be moved by when you read it. You listen to the people, you cast your mind back, for those of you that that know the stories and the accounts of what happened to these amazing men and women of faith. We've just read, give or take, a third of it. And we've already looked at some of the most momentous occasions in the Old Testament. Cain, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all these big stories. Each one is a meta-narrative That is a story that continues. A story that we can also fit our lives into. You see, so the author starts with this definition of faith. Faith is being sure of what we cannot see. You see, the Hebrew people at that time needed something almost tangible that they could get hold of to bring and to restore their faith. And yet what they get is a genealogy. And every Jew loves a genealogy. Because they love to be able to look back and see where I came from. I came from this house, or I came from this line. I came from this house, or I came from this line. And yet here we have the author to the Hebrews who writes this letter. And we don't just have a, a, a family tree of who's who. We have this amazing list of men and women of faith. You see, in this, this, this letter is written to try and shore up their faith to g up their faith, if you will. It's a crop to move them on a little bit faster in what they believe. You see, if they won't believe, or rather they won't be faithful to God after these examples of men and women, then what hope is there for them? If they won't be faithful to God after what they've heard about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Noah and Enoch and all these people, then what will, what will it take? What will it take to shake up their faith? You see, the passage tells us what faith is. You think you've just said that? It's believing in things that are unseen. Yes, because I want us to get to grips with that. You need to get to grips with that before we move for the rest of the chapter. You see, people would tell you, some people argue that faith in God is irrational. It's, there's no evidence for it. It's not evidence based. It's just complete and utter fairy story. It's, it's laughable. You don't believe all that rubbish. And this is the sort of stuff that we get. get I would suggest or our faith in God is rational and it is evidence-based some of it comes from science some of it comes from our own experience some of it comes from from various and different ways yet our faith is rational and it is evidence-based because at some point every single one of us will be able to give an example of where their faith in god has yes been tested but it's been proven it's been given in such a way whereby god has i don't know how your afternoon has been but most conversations, we, you know, it's kind of general, how's, how's your Easter, how's your family, how's this, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. First question, or well, one of the first questions I was asked this afternoon was this. How do you know, or how do you get to know that you have a sense of, uh, that God is speaking to you? A sense of God is, 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 is pricking your consciousness. At the sense that God is calling to you to do something. How do you know? There's a nice, gentle question for a, you know, a nice, lazy Sunday afternoon but the point is very true, isn't it? That our faith is rational. We should be able to give evidence for what God has done in our lives. We should be evidence of what God has done in our life. Our testimony is such, what were we like before we met Jesus? What were we like when we met Jesus? And the evidence is, what is our life like now? That's our story. That's our testimony. That's our evidence. He said, there are times in our life, I am sure I can say this because I speak from my own experience, where our faith has been tested. It has been shaken. But perhaps even more easily recounted is where God has been faithful and proved his faithfulness time and time again. Even when all seems lost. Well, we sit there and we think, God, how on earth? Firstly, have I got myself into this situation? This is often my, uh, my experience. And secondly, I, I say this carefully, how are you going to get me out of it? But it's looking to God to be able to move these situations on and to move on in faith. So verse 2 says it was by faith the people of old, the people that we've met, the people that you've heard me talk about, received their commendation. This is the reason that we, like, we will see the likes of David and Rahab and Tamar and others in heaven because of their faith in God. That's why we're going to meet them. Most of you would know Phil Simmons, who speaks here from time to time. And Phil Simmons has this, this book of questions that he wants to ask people when he gets to heaven. I mean, I, I love Phil, he's great, but I've got a funny feeling somehow that's going to be irrelevant when he gets to heaven. But <laughs> hey, there it is. So here is this, this book of questions. These people that we're going to meet. Joshua, what was it like? Moses, what was it like when you raised up your staff and the sea parted? Enoch, what was it like when you just vanished? You know, you just upped and vanished, gone. Abraham, what were you thinking when God said, leave everything you know and go up to a place I'm going to point out to you? Samson, what was it like to kill all those people with a donkey's jawbone? Come and sit down and tell me all about it. I've got a funny feeling somehow these things are not going to be relevant. Yeah, because of their faith, Hebrews tells us that these people are going to receive their commendation. That's why we'll see them in heaven. You see, I would suggest that this is also our goal that we, like they, believe in the unshakable kingdom, the immovable kingdom, the kingdom that is without end. The first thing we do through faith, however, is recognize God's power in creation, that it's displayed in creation. The complexity of all of us sitting in this room with our various differences and our various uh, amazing patterns that make us exactly who we are. Our eye. One of the most complex things in all of creation. And yet through faith we have to acknowledge that it was God that put it that way. You see, the creator spoke the world and everything in it into creation. Everything else rests on that fact. I came across this cracking little quote. So much so that I wrote it down. And I'm awful for writing down quotes because I sit there and go, who said that thing with the bit in the middle and I, the, the end? I wrote this bit down. It was absolutely fascinating. Someone once said that in the beginning God, well, yes, that's obvious. We know that. It's Genesis 1-1. But why belief in the first verse means that we can trust in and have faith in the next 31,101 verses, depending on variations and verses and versions and all sorts of bits and pieces but the point is there isn't it why belief in the fact that we have to start with creation means that our faith can hang on the rest of the bible so then we come to verse four to seven and we move and the things shift it turns around a little bit we get this change of of tact we've gone through creation we've gone through uh, the, these people that receive their commendation and now we come to what john stock calls the galaxy of saints he said, mate, I bring a quote. I like that. Song. Comes to the galaxy of saints. So these people then were first introduced to three men, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. These men weren't chosen to be part of this chapter by some paragon of virtue. Rather, they were ordinary men with a faith in God that was unwavering. Yes, they got it wrong at times. They weren't, didn't exactly cover themselves in glory in everything that you did. But their faith was there. And because of that faith, they were recognized abel realized that he had to sacrifice the best he had to god and was killed for it jesus even recounts the faith of abel and praise doesn't come much higher than that enoch was a man who was devoted to god and not only that but he pleased god in what he did he walked with god you see god will reward those who seek him just like he did with enoch we live in a material world and we can often push god out can't we? we can rely on ourselves. We can rely on our own strength. I, I, I can do it. And when I can't do it, that's when I call out, when I cry out to God. We're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of it. I'm probably the worst for it. Men are fixers, aren't we, gents? Yeah? We see a problem, we're going to have a crack at it. I'm going to sort it out, it'll be all right. Sometimes we need to just shut up and listen and see what's going on. This is us, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what women like, but... You know, I can only speak as a bloke, but this is what it is, isn't it? We multitask, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, see, you were talking and listening at the same time. So there is, you know, this is it, isn't it? This is this is what we're like. Men are fixers. We want to go and fix something, but actually, we need to take a step back and listen to what God is saying. So, if we want to keep that faith in God, the only way we do that is by walking closely with Him. Noah accepted God and took him at his word. God said to him, it's going to rain. It's going to what? I mean, if he said that now, other people be like, yeah. Show me something that's new. (laughs) But Noah said to God, God said to Noah, it's going to rain. And it's not just going to rain, but it's going to rain, I mean, like proper rain. Like this is safe Devon rain. It's going to really rain. You know, you're going to need to build a ship and everything. I'm going to bring all sorts of animals. This is Noah taking God at his word. You see that, because of that fact, he obtained three things that mark him out. He obtained salvation, he obtained righteousness, and he witnessed for God. So the application for us from these three men is clear. Faith in God means we sacrifice our lives just like Ab- uh, to God, just like Abel did. We walk with God just like Enoch did, and we share the message of salvation, and we witness just like Noah did. That's easy, isn't it? There's only three sort of fairly major characters. You know, fairly, fairly major theories and, and stories about what happened to them. That's easy, isn't it? Witnessing. Anybody struggle with that? Living by faith, anybody struggle with that? These are real challenges, aren't they? They are real challenges for real people that face real events. So verses 8 to 12, we come to this man, Abraham. Arguably my favourite character within the whole of the Bible. And You do understand what I mean there. Of a physical man who lived in an amazing way, who trusted God in an amazing way. And yet, here we have a man who is a pioneer of faith. The man who God used to start the Jewish line, the line that would ultimately lead to Christ. And Abraham. A man who left arguably one of the most advanced cultures in existence at that time in Mesopotamia. A pagan. Who God called out of the culture of his culture, yet a pagan who was obedient to God. There's that word again? And he was a man to whom God made a promise, in loads of different ways, in one of the most graphic way possible, when he told Abraham to cut animals into pieces and lay them out. This old idea of cutting a covenant. And by that, if you cut that covenant, you made that agreement between the two people. If one of you broke it, the other one had the right to do to you it was the same. What's happened to the animals? And yet here was God, when Abraham fell into a deep sleep and a deep darkness descended upon him. God, as a smoking firepot, made his way through the animals. God walked between the pieces. There was this extremely graphic promise that Abraham had. Yet here was a man who was on a journey of faith. So what I want to leave you tonight from our uh, remaining time together is five things to challenge our own faith. But don't look at panic and think, oh no, we've already had a bit. Well, you no, know, this is we've one word. I was happy with one word from this morning message. But five, listen, very straightforwardly, five things. Abraham's faith was responsive. He was eager to go. God had called him. He told him to pack up. For where he was, an Ur of the Chaldeans, for a land unknown. And he left with an, an unwavering confidence in God. And let us not forget that this is a pagan. This is not a man of God. This is not a, a you know somebody of, of the, all the Jewish lineage can look up to at this point, yet he is still a pagan. And he, along with his family, walk and they take that step of faith. So the first step of Abraham's journey were steps of blind faith. I need to be very careful when I say blind faith. Because there are people that say we only need to mention the word faith when there is no evidence. But the Christian's faith, as I said, is not blind. There is evidence for it. Abraham, however, took a massive step of faith. And he stepped out to trust in God. You see, it comes down to belief. How can we truly say we believe in Christ, and yet when he calls us to do something, we look the other way? When we're asked to do that task or we're asked to, make the, to do something that makes us uncomfortable and all of a sudden our belief vanishes because it's uncomfortable. I think it was pretty uncomfortable for Abraham. I don't know about you but and what you understand of Mesopotamia at that time. But just listen to this. The land that Abraham lived in was advanced enough that 4,000 years ago to have metalworking, glassmaking, textile weaving, food control, water storage, and irrigation. 4,000 years ago. This is a pretty major culture in which God says, I don't want to live in anymore, go and live in a tent. And we think camp is bad enough. And God says, I don't want you there anymore, go and live in a tent. So, as well as Abraham's faith being responsive, it was sacrificial. This was a major city, it was a major power. And Abraham's sacrifice was to leave all that behind. He was called to abandon all he knew for the sake of God's call. There will be times, I'm sure, when we need to sacrifice our comfort for the sake of God's call. He would receive a land as an inheritance, and so will we. He would receive a land as an inheritance, and Abraham went on in that strength. And friends, I suggest we do the same looking on to things that are better, things that are to come. So Abraham had responded to God. He'd made the sacrifice for his faith, and he took courage. So that means then that the powers of deduction would tell me that Abraham had a courageous faith. When was the last time you or I stepped out in courage for God? When was the last time we really put our brave shoes on and went, I'm going to do it. No matter what what happens, I'm going to do it for God. It takes immense courage to be a Christian who walks by faith and not by sight. You see, Abram doesn't take all the glory, however, when it comes to having faith that is responsive, sacrificial, and courageous. After all, Sarah went with him. Verse 11 highlights Sarah, and now we have a pioneer of faith, not just a pioneer of faith, but a team of pioneers, a married couple, a team. And yet here they are, they both step out for God. Okay, all right. Sarah laughed, admittedly, when God said you're going to have a child in your old age. She laughed. Let's be honest, wouldn't you, if you were in her position? Let's be, you know, let's be frank about it. But here we have a courageous couple who are now going to go out and step out in faith. So after courage then comes persistence. It's okay to be brave. You know, put your brave shoes on pull your bucket off and off we go. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to be brave for one step. Yeah, but what about the steps after that? What about the walk after that? What about the journey after that? Abraham's faith was persistent because he knew that God would come good on his promise. There was that faith, that underlying faith that was there. He knew that God would come good on his promise. And even though there were times when he he had to look past the trial, had to look past the difficulty... It got to the point where Abraham knew and trusted God so much that he was willing to kill his own son for it. This is a man of great faith. He was looking to what was to come, which is far better. You see, the Bible also, like Abraham, reminds us that we are not permanent residents here on earth. Just as Abraham were, we are living in tents. In a foreign land. We're just temporary. Temporary. We're looking forward, just as Abraham did, to a city whose designer and builder is God. Christ left this earth 2,000 years ago there, thereabouts. Made a promise, I'll come back for you. He's had 2,000 years to go away and build heaven. He built the world in six days. I'll let you work the rest out. So we're looking to a city, for a city, to go to a city whose designer and builder is God. Yet in all of this talk, talk of Abraham's faith, We see a man who was dependent and that was linked to Sarah. Yes, okay, Sarah got it wrong but here was a man who was a dependent on his God. Yet Sarah changes her approach and she begins to believe in what God says. There are times when we have to do the same. The penny drops. We have our eureka moment as I did this morning. We have our moment of brilliance. Some of us, that is a regular occurrence. For some of us, It's a a once-in-a-lifetime event. But here is this moment of brilliance, this eureka moment. The penny drops. And we realize that God is doing the best for us, even when it seems confusing at the time. Even when we can't understand. Even when we see a world of suffering around us. Even when we, we have questions that we cannot answer. We face situations that we cannot get through. Yet we look and we realize that God is working for us. So, as I close, we've considered the challenges to our faith. The fact that our faith should be responsive, sacrificial, courageous, persistent, and dependent. And I'm pretty sure, and I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying that for Abraham and Sarah, there was no going back. There was no way they were going back to Ur. Even with all its advancements, they were happy to live in a tent. They had committed themselves to God's plan, and the rest. It's history. And for them, the rest is their way forward. And as we go out into this week, let's ask God to help us to be a people whose faith in God is unwavering. And no matter what the week brings, trust in God and allow him to lead. So here we have looked at some characters of amazing faith. It's a challenge for all of us. If we want to be serious with God. And we have to trust him. We have to. We're in a relationship. That's how it works. How do I know that my wife loves me? Because she trusts me. Even when I get it wrong. I told you, I'm wrong once. It was a Friday. But even when I get it wrong, even when I mess it up, that is a relationship. And so it's exactly the same for us. There are times when we simply just have to take God at his word and trust him. So next month, God willing, we'll will pick up uh, Moses and see what else God has to teach us from this uh, amazing chapter. But by way of, uh, of, of closing and, uh, and really a response to the challenge of faith, uh, I want to sing uh, one last song together. It's uh, 1262, and it's uh, by faith uh, we see the hand of God in the light of creation's grand design, in the lives of those who prove his faithfulness, who walk by faith and not by faith. Sight. Let's stand and sing in our closing song uh, together.